So you mentioned that you do group work with colleges and universities as well. Mm-hmm. Present. So <laughs> I'm sure you can remember. And I remember from my college experience, we were pretty vicious as freshmen. Um, <laughs> when it came to anybody coming in, you know, trying to breathe new life into the place, switch mm-hmm. it up, help us. I don't know what it is at that age. We were just like, let's see how much we can make this person's life suck. Um, and so presenting in front of that age group can be scary for some, we love the kids, but kids can be ruthless at at that age. So do you remember your first official group training? Where were you? Um, did you get a roaring crowd of fans or blank stares? (laughs) Like what happened? Well, let's just say that, you know, uh, surgery has stitched me back together in some (laughs) respects because they, they was, they was at a brother. I'm just telling you, no, um, I, it's funny. I actually remember. I remember one of my first admissions uh, trips that I took because um, uh, I worked in the admissions office. So I recruited students to come to you know the colleges, universities I used to work at. <clears throat> and I remember very vividly there were two kids in the back that were talking, um, who just like were just talking through my presentation. So basically, as seniors, high school seniors, they used my my uh, college rep uh time for their you know for their 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 joy mm-hmm. and so it just it was random but it you know god has a way of working things out so typically and you know, i i had them fill out a card so i could you know put it into the system at some point but i would flip through the cards and i would look at like their major or uh, say a name or something along those lines don't you know for the two people who were talking that uh as i flipped through my cards the first person i i came to one of the people was talking and I called his name out Wow! and he stopped like to stop talking was, and it was clearly very attentive at that point. Kind of went back to bantering and talking, you know, a little bit more with uh, his friend. And don't you know, the person he was talking to the next time through, I called on them and I asked them a question or something along those lines, but it just worked out that way. Clearly I didn't know who they were. I, I couldn't have told you who they were for a million dollars. I would have been, probably easier to pick the lotto numbers that I would have to, to actually know that that's who they were. But the point is, is that in, in doing so, uh, the, the kids were amazed by the fact that, uh, not that I called on them, but that the people that I actually called on were the people who were actually, you know, causing the most ruckus again, sight unseen and unknown that that happened, but it, but it's true. I've never really ever had an, a problem or an issue where I, you know, ran into, you know, a, a group that was hostile in one respect or another, um, you know, at least based on the things that I can control, you know, if they're, if I'm talking about it, my, the college or university that I'm talking about and they talk about the price tag being, you know, X dollars and they're like, Oh, Oh, it's like, you know, I mean, I don't have anything to do with that. That's just what happens. But at that moment, if that were to happen, I would take the time opportunity to talk about, you know, what the financial aid process is like, what it means to be need blind, what it means to be to get scholarships, what it means to be, you know, prepared or uh, able to compete for those scholarships based on, you know, the kind of work that you've done in, in school as well. So there are ways of being able to work out or work through that. That's the one thing I think that the admissions roles that I had previously taught me was you're the information you're the encyclopedia, you're the Wikipedia uh, page. You got to think on your feet. You got to know what you're talking about and you got to come across as credible. 
Yeah, that's really, and that's not easy. I mean, no, not it's, always. It's not always easy, and it's sometimes, especially when you're experienced, folks can look at you and say, "Oh, he's got it," but it took time. <laughs> it, <laughs> it took did. time. It did. It did to get there. So, speaking of uh, taking us back, can you take us back to a time or a moment when you first that moment when you first realized you needed to make your passion of coaching and and um, giving advice into a business? Was it something that you kind of toyed with for a while and, and then finally jumped into? Or was it an overnight epiphany? No, mine was a journey. Um, and it's funny, I, I can almost remember being, uh, I think, out of, let me think, out of graduate school. And I graduated just through, I think, around 1996. So even the fact that I'm saying 1996 should, should tell you at least a little bit, not a lot, uh, you know, at least how long it's been. But nonetheless, I was in a position where um, I had this kind of idea kind of in my head in one respect or another, but it, I didn't have it fully formed. And so I kind of just kind of put it to the side. I talked to people about it and kind of thought about it and kind of wrote some things down, but nothing really ever uh, kind of resonated. And then my daughter was getting ready to go to school and I talked to someone else about it and they said, yes, I would pay you money to help my son or daughter do X. And so I kind of, the ball got rolling again, but then life kind of happens. And so you just put it on the back burner. Finally, uh, uh, maybe you remember this moment as well. I was at my company meeting and um, they interviewed someone who I didn't realize I never actually met the person in, in, in person. I talked to him on the phone and through you know, other communiques, but never actually met them. Turned out to be one of my former students who went to USC, who uh, was in the program that I worked on. Uh, and at the time, I was uh, her placement specialist. I helped her find her placement for her teaching role so she could do her teacher licensure um, process. But I found her placement for her. But she talked about in that moment, and I didn't know any of this at the time, that she was going through, um, uh, she was a, a cancer survivor. She had um, just recently been divorced and she had stopped her, uh, stopped working at a Fortune 500 job where she was making six salary, six salary, six figure salary and was going to be heading back to school. And so this was her kind of entry into that. Um, so I had none of this kind of background, but in the uh, interview that she did in front of my, in front of the company meeting, about 1500 people uh, talked about her experience with the program, but talked about her experience between the two of us, even though we'd actually hadn't met each other before. Well, long and short, you know, that, I, there was a fair amount of applause that, and kind of accolades that I got from that. And so at that point I was like, okay, I just need to make the jump. I, I need to stop. Uh, you know, saying never and finding all the reasons and excuses as, as to why I shouldn't do something and look for all the reasons why I should do something. So after we uh, caught up with each other and we chatted, uh, I told her that I wanted to you know, potentially partner with her to do something with the group that she worked with. And uh, it turned out that that did not work out, but it really became the impetus for uh, kind of the, the, the foundation for the, the coaching itself. Not long after that, a student who was waiting on my wife at a clothing store was on her way to school. And we got to talking about kind of the experience and everything else. I didn't actually end up coaching her, but one of her coworkers had a daughter in soft, uh, who was a sophomore in high school and said, my daughter needs coaching. You know, when are you available? 
and I wasn't available at that point, but I made myself available you know, pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, it just it, it spawned from that. So I kind of did uh, coaching with her pro bono for a little bit, and then you know eventually uh, you know started charging for my uh, services. And you know it worked out. She you know uh, got more engaged and more involved in you know her high school experience. She was a high school sophomore at the time. Uh, her grades improved. Her kind of uh, attitude and uh, competence towards school really improved. So at that point, I knew that it worked. And then, you know, long and short, someone asked me not long after that if, you know, what I was going to be doing. And I said, well, I'm going to do some things, kind of build up my website and work on my coaching and everything else. They said, well, maybe you should write a book. And I thought, you know, this was kind of one of those never say never moments, but look for every reason not to. And you know, lo and behold, uh, ended up writing a book. And so, uh, you know, at, at some point, I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. But that's really what happened. I, I didn't expect or anticipate that that was going to be my particular situation. But it, you know, God has an interesting way of bringing all these things together. And it's and it's been working ever since. So when you decided to when you heard um, the former students um, interview that encouraged you to say yes to what you knew you were supposed to do. And things just really started to line up. Opportunities just started to come. And because of your answer to really your calling, you were able, lots more people were able to say yes to what they were supposed to do. Sophomore, you know, students and things like that. And I think that's excellent. Reg, what, what is the best way? I know you, you give a lot of advice. You're a first generation college student. You've had your own ups and downs and experiences as far as getting through college and being successful. So, right. Let's kind of like flip that a bit. What's the best way to waste the college experience? (laughs) (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) As much as you can say on on a podcast. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. You want to trust me? I'll I'll choose my words wisely. (laughs) G-rated podcast. (laughs) I'll give you the G-rated version. So, uh, to to me, you know. I don't know about anybody else. And I'm not, you know, I clearly was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I, you know, was fortunate to have the, 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 you know, the parents and the support that I had, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine and wouldn't imagine taking someone's, whether it's, you know, from a trust or from, you know, your parents or from somebody, $21,000 and burning it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, and that's, and that's 21 thousand is on the low end of the sticker shop. I mean, there are some schools that are now to 75, 80, 90 thousand dollars to go to school there per year. As an as an undergrad. So I can't see myself or anybody else, you know, shelling out clearly, you know, anywhere from uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, a third of third of a million out and not having something to show for it. So the newfound freedom that you have or that you have gained as a college freshman being an hour, two hours, three hours, you know, other side of the country from your parents, you know, doesn't give you license, should never give you license to, you know, mistreat, you know, that, that amount of money and that amount of heartache and toil, you know, working your fingers to the bone to do so. But if you want to go there and party, you, you clearly can. If you want to go there and smoke it up, you you can do that too. If you want to go there and you know extract out the experience 
that you're looking for, you can find it there because it is there. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, much like my parents said to me, you know, the college has academic standards, but so do we. Yeah. And if you need a semester to think about it, we'll give you that time off to think about it. That's scenario one. The other is either at Thanksgiving or Christmas, giving the present that you never thought you'd give. Because when that report com- card comes out, whether you got FERPA in your in your corner or not, somebody's going to ask you about your grades and mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. And you're either going to have to lie or you're going to have to fess up or, you know, or you're going to run into a problem or a situation where because your GPA is so low, you know, you're not going to get financial aid. And it's like, well, why aren't you getting financial aid? Oh, you have a 1.9. Oh. And then you can't go back to school. Right. Or you can go back to school, but you now, now you're under the pressure of really needing to produce and not really putting down a foundation that's really giving you the, 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 the you know, the, the ability to, to work and to do it, you know, and do it and do it well. So for my money and where it's worth, you know, the coaching services that I provide, you know, maybe at the end of a academic year are like a fresh pair of Nikes. But what I'm giving you won't wear out and what I'm giving you uh, won't get stained. Mm-hmm. And what I'm giving you will actually gain in value versus those Nikes because, yeah, they cost 15 or 20 to make, they may cost you three or 400 to, to buy, but you know, a rainy day, a muddy day, a snowy day, and they're ruined. And then what do you do? Exactly. So I would rather, you know, them be partnered with me in the way of making an investment in themselves than I would be for them to be in a position where, you know, they're no longer in a position to thrive. Now they're just trying to survive. So, you know, think of survival as like being out in the middle of nowhere with a windbreaker on in a blizzard, you know, you're not going to make it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I like that fresh pair of Nikes analogy. That was nice. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I understand that we're, you know, we're, we're all consumers in one respect or another, Yeah. but what if we become a consumer in, you know, an investment like, you know, uh, you know, uh, a student or your child or, you know, someone who wants to, you know, change the world in whatever shape, form, or fashion that that may mean. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they start their own business. Maybe they, you know, find the cure for cancer. Maybe they, you know, can stop the uh, process of global warming or or anything else that may be out there that they want to do. You know, I think once you know your why, you know, why you're doing something, why you're motivated to be in that position, you know, nothing should stop you. And, you know, if you've been given the chance and opportunity and the resources to do something, you know, take full advantage of it. Absolutely. Um, and so I, we mentioned you, you've clearly coached a lot, quite a few students, a lot of students. You have a lot of experience. We were just talking about maybe being at Thanksgiving dinner and auntie asks you, hey, what, how you doing in school? And you have to come up off that truth about That's that 1.9. Right. Yeah. So I wonder do, is college for everyone? You know, is is it that that 1.9 is always because the student is smoking it up or doing whatever, or right. is it because th- that might not be their path? Like, what's your opinion on that? Lifelong learning is for everybody. 
I, I will say that. College can be, but I think college can be if, you know, I talked about it, I talked about it a little earlier with uh, talking about it from the standpoint of the, the passion project. Um, the dissertation is, a, you know, 150 pages. It's lots of resources. It's lots of interviews. It's a lot of, you know, APA writing. It's all these things. And so for a lot of students, when I talked about it, it, it to them seemed a little daunting that we're getting ready to start the program that I, that I work with. But I took a step back and I kind of wordsmithed it at one point. And I said, you know what? I said, think of this as you becoming your and developing your own level and kind of expertise, but really your passion project. You know, what is it that you're really interested in? What is it really that you really want to do? What is it that you really want to be in, I wouldn't say in control of, but just, you know, you want more information about because you have something that you want to do with it. And it speaks to not only your passion, but ultimately your gift. You know, what is that? Yeah. I think once people understand what understand it from that context, I think college can be. Now, college for some people can be two years and an associate's degree and it allows you to do what you want to do. Yeah. For some people it's it is, you know, a four year experience and you get a bachelor's degree. I personally say, in my humble opinion, no less than a bachelor's, but definitely an associate's to start. If you find after two years you don't want to do it anymore. You know, you got an associate's degree. You can you can move on. You can do your own thing. That makes total but sense. What is, but what is happening right now is <clears throat> when I was in school, and I'm an old schooler, so you know I, I understand that. I'll I, you know I, I graduated from from college in, uh, initially in 1987, so I'm just going to put it out there. It was a it was a kind of localized regional world that we lived in because. You know, you're basically, I was competing against all the kids and all the students that were at, um, you know, the school that I went to, but all the other schools in, in my state, especially I'm looking for a, a job in my state. Yeah. But what has since happened is, is that the world has continued to expand. And with the advent of the internet for the blessing and curse sometimes that it, that it can be, the world became global. So now you're not just competing against those that are in your local area. You're competing with everybody in the world. Yeah. And so, you know, again, what gives you the best, what gives you the best advantage and the best bang for your buck with regard to what you want to do, you know, with the next, seriously, 50 years of your life? Because that's about how long it's going to be that you're going to be working. So for my money and what it's worth, I'd say, you know, definitely get a, 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 a bachelor's degree. I would love for you to have a bachelor's degree that kind of just evens the playing field. An associate's degree does as well, but for a lot of the roles that are going to be emerging and coming about, a bachelor's going to become the equivalent of a high school degree, and it practically, practically is right now. You're really looking at you know, a master's degree being like a bachelor's degree you know, 60, 70 years ago. That is absolutely true. I mean, you know, get on LinkedIn or any job search site and you'll see exactly how um, aggressive the competition is nowadays. Oh, yeah. It's it's I mean, it's it's definitely out there. And you you have to be confident, competent, but it, you don't have those two things working for you in the way of what you possess in the way of skills and and, uh, you know, kind of knowledge behind your behind your name you're not going to be able to compete in the same way and in the same manner that everyone else is. And so you, you just want to give yourself, my opinion, at least again, you want to give yourself 
every opportunity to let your, you know, your, your little light shine in whatever shape, form or passion that that may mean. Yeah. And I think what's so special about what, um, Thriving Life Coaching does is how you usher students really into the next phase of their lives. You know, you give them that support that they their parents might want to give them, but might not be equipped to or that they might not have a guardian to give them. So um, zooming out a bit, what do you what is the world taking too long to realize when it comes to the way that we usher kids into the next phase of their education? And how are you changing that? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think for as complex of there are as much complexity as there is to that question, I think it's pretty simple. To me, I I I really feel like students students are taught, but students aren't coached. And by that, I mean students are taught in that there there are things that are poured into them that they need students need to extract out, you know, for a test or a quiz or for a state test or, you know, uh, anything else that goes into it. You know, I understand that this, the you know, kind of system of schooling works the way that it, that it does, you know, operationally, you know, sometimes at, at, at a fault, but nonetheless in that way and in that manner. Yeah. Much like I say to the students that I work with right now, I think it's really important. I say this to them all the time. You're really the captain of this ship. Mm-hmm. I'm only the navigator. My job and my role as your coach, as a coach, is to really say to you, there's a storm approaching. Uh, there's an iceberg right in front of you. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, it's there's smooth sailing in, in between. Or, um, you know, we, we just need to run. We need to do everything but not run aground because, you know, there are rocks there and it's going to, you know, it's going to ruin the boat. But you're the captain. Once we figure out how that works, how you, you once you figure out that you're really the person that's in charge of what you're doing for the next not just next four years of your life, but really the rest of your life, students need pragmatic, on the ground uh, skills, tips, and strategies, and a chance to really be able to use them. Um, I think our students right now are so dependent on uh, you know Wikipedia and their their phone that, you know, it's almost like the common sense is kind of being, cause it's kind of sucked out of them. And it, 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 trust me, I would have loved to have had some of the opportunities to some of the access to some of the information that's out there right now, you know, that, that <laughs> we all you yeah. know, utilize in one respect or another, mm-hmm. but it's almost now to a fault. I mean, it's like, you know, I, you know, it's, it's sad, sad, but true. You know, I see, you know, little kids now, Anywhere from what twelve months on, you know, being pacified not by a plastic pacifier, but by you know a, a plastic pacifier that has a passcode and a game that they're playing or yeah. a thing that keeps them busy and occupied. And again, I understand it. I'm a parent of two kids of my own, so I I, I clearly get that. There, there's you know time and time and space for that. But college or school itself is the only thing that you pay for that you're not guaranteed any result from. I mean, I think about that for a minute. Yeah. That is very You could very pay true. you could pay $50,000, $60,000 a year to go to to a college or university and if you flub it or you don't do well, you know, you can stay there as long as you can stay there up to a certain threshold based on your GPA or what have you, but you know, at the end you're not going to get 
you know, the car like you would if you go into a parking lot and write a blank check and say, I want the red one right there. Yeah. That's not the way it works. So this kind of level of kind of um, instantaneous, you know, satisfaction or kind of automatic um, process that I think kids or students go through in general, you know, isn't there, isn't present. You got to bring something to the table. And uh, that something to the table, nine times out of 10, minimally is experience. But before you can even get experience, the thing that they're going to want to know that you have is some type of additional education beyond high school. And, uh, you know, for my money and what it's worth, I think that part of the process has been missing. But I think students understanding that they are not only coachable, but they are the leader of this process. You know, it's not a followership. It's, it, it really isn't. Um, you know, a followership is really a mentor. And that's really someone who's pouring into you much, you know, much like a coach. Um, so, so I think that's how I'd answer. I, I think that's how I'd answer that question. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, you know, it, it college is one of those experiences where it's like, hey, you, you, you make up it what you will. And I think that, like you said, with this instant gratification society that we have now, as far as technology and things, it can really give the wrong perception that as soon as you touch something or as soon as you're in a space, there is automatically going to be a, an expected result, you know, especially with things like TikTok. You watch the video, you know how it's, how it's going to end. You watch it yeah. again, you know how it's going to end. Um, <laughs> college right. and any phase of life, life period, that is not how it works. We don't even know what's going to happen from minute to minute. So what you exactly. said is very powerful. Exactly. And so um, talking about your own experience um, in college, you wrote this book called Passing the Baton, your new book. Uh-huh. Um, it's a memoir, a guide and a memoir of your of college success. Um and you're a first-generation college student. So, Reg, who, who is this book for? I would assume, of course, it's for someone who's interested in moving forward with the education. But who would you really say this book is for? I would definitely say first-generation students. Uh, if your parents did not go to college, that's not, you know, uh, you know, in effect, their fault. But I think the point that I would make is that there's some things that you should know or things that you should have kind of established and as a foundation and as a floor to work from. So I definitely think it speaks to that. I think it speaks to a high school student and understanding the the um, capacity they have not just to learn, but to really put these, you know, skills, tips and guides to 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 into practice. Uh, you know, high school, although it's it, trust me, high school is important because it gets you to the point of being in, able to go to college. But Really, this is your testing ground to kind of put this this book, if you will, this guide into practice. Um, and regardless of your point of entry, if you're a college freshman, it's a high school freshman, you know, it's clearly going to get you there. So by the time you're a high school senior, you're right where you need to be and any grade in between that. Um, if you're a high school junior getting ready to go to college, uh, hopefully with the 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 society opening up uh, a lot more than it uh, over the summer, over this coming summer with, uh, you know, vaccinations and hopefully, you know, spikes going down from the, from, from COVID and the pandemic that people will be able to get back to campus to, to visit schools and things of that sort. Uh, but it, for them, it's even, it's a guide in the way of preparation for what their senior year, you know, could and should look like and putting some of these things into practice and, uh, and able to move forward. 
for high school senior, you know, it goes without saying it, you need to be prepped and ready for what this is going to look like. Cause yeah. that the, you know, the, the, the six month, six to eight month process of getting into college is the easy part. Trust me. It's the easy part. The next four to five years and even six. Now they're almost giving people now six years to go to school, but within the four or five years to go to school thereafter, you know, you're going to want to hit the ground running. So I, I would even say for that student, for an adult student coming back to school, I'd say this is a good way to kind of get your point of entry. My guess is that you may have been in school, but didn't necessarily do it well and do it right. And so, you know, it's one thing to live with the regret, but really what I'm doing is giving you a second chance and a, a way of being able to, to address some of those things that needed to, to, to be addressed. And I'd say finally for a student who's in college, who, you know, um, you know, as part of your example you used earlier, you know, kind of wasted the money and auntie uh, and, and, and uncle asking that question about how they didn't do or how they weren't doing so well. You know, this is a book for them to get them back on the straight and narrow so that when they go back for, you know, spring break or they go back at the end of the summer, you know, they can say to auntie or to whomever at the family reunion, you know, you're not the one who dropped out of school. You're the one on the dean's list. And mm -hmm. this is how to do it. So um, and then maybe lastly, I would say that it, this book, in some respects, speaks to the process that happens for students as they enter adulthood once they finish college. Because a lot of these things are things that you're going to now need to be able to apply professionally in order to get to, um, you know, the interview and to the job and then to the promotion and then to, you know, kind of the additional things that come from that as well. So I think it speaks to a wide bandwidth. If I had to kind of um, narrow it in focus, I would say, you know, high school to anyone in college. But I would say that, you know, anyone on the periphery, you know, um, a returning student, an adult student, uh, or, or a wayward student um, could could definitely gain an insight and perspective from um, what was offered. Awesome. It sounds like an incredible resource. And why was it important to you that this book be a memoir and a memoir and a guide, you know, and not just a technical guide? Because there people could go and read blog posts about college. They could there are so many technical books <clears throat> about how to do a lot of things related to education. Um, was it important to you that this be a memoir as well, or was it just something that happened? You know, it was a little of both. I, it, it, it was when I first started writing it, I was writing it from a technical standpoint, but it was almost like, it felt like much like you said, it was like, you know, anyone could read this from a tech textbook or say anyone could read this from a blog. I was like, okay, this needs some, you know, this needs, needs, you know, some, I, you know, a, a, some character. I'll, I'll, I'll say it that way. Some character or characters, if you will, um, character in the way of content, but characters from the standpoint of, you know, people and um, stories related to it. Um, and I also didn't want to, initially when I did it, that was kind of what I thought. But in getting some of the edits that I got and some people reading it and looking at it, it's like, well, um, you know, I kind of hear this, but, you know, where are you in this, in context with this? And so when I wrote the book, I really wrote it from the context of, uh, sometimes I wrote uh, like a, a chapter where I would kind of put the technical and the strategy or the tip related to it. And then I would kind of superimpose myself in the 
context or, or mix of what the um, what I was talking about in that particular chapter. Um, there were some times where I did it exclusively, where I was using examples of um, students who either did it right or didn't do it right, and you know, kind of what the result was. And then there were times when I talked exclusively about my own experience um, throughout it. So I kind of felt like it needed that bend to it because it it was. I didn't want it to be so technical and so kind of, uh, you know, that's, I didn't want it to be so technical that, you know, you needed a dictionary to read it. That, that yeah. was not what I was after. I, but I didn't want it to be so simplistic that, you know, that, you know, it was, you know, a, you know, equivalent to like a six page read. And then that's, you know, that's it like a bedtime story. I didn't want it to be that either. So I wanted it to have some, some, some volume, some, some girth, some real life experience and, you know, to be able to talk about myself in a, you know, from some of the milestones I had, but clearly from some of the mistakes I made as well. I uh, majored in English in college and I've always been a storyteller and I know how effective it can be for learning when people can attach a story or a real situation to a lesson, um, especially at that age where, like we talked about before, there are so many other distractions and places telling stories on the phone, you know, on TV. And then you want to hand the kid a book and he is a technical guide to be successful in college. Well, guess what? Guess where that's going? Um, (laughs) Not in front of their faces to read. Circular file. Yes, indeed. Yes, Yes, indeed. So it's really exciting. Right, exactly. It's really Uh recycling.com. And so it's really exciting that you chose to take that perspective with the book. And so this is the final question. Um, What's the best advice that you've ever given wow that i've ever given yes yeah i know you've given a lot of advice but what do you feel is the best advice that you've ever given i'd say i i i think i always come back there there's actually two pieces actually it's kind of a tie goes to the runner so i'll i'll, I'll take the uh the, the the liberty to to offer it this way first and foremost always see yourself especially in this in an academic setting regardless of whether you're in middle school, high school, college, or beyond, you're the client of that institution. You're the client of that professor whose class you're taking, that even though beyond the pedigree and everything else, they're instilling in you what they have learned, but it is your job to make sure that you learn the lesson. And in doing so, that may mean that you may need to read the book, which is probably a good idea to do anyway. But it may mean, may mean that you need to go and see them and talk with them and ask questions of them in one respect or another so that uh, you get what you need to get out of it. Because regardless of how much you know or don't know about that particular uh, class or in that particular major, in that particular school, that institution, there's still going to be a midterm and a final. There's still going to be all the homework and, and papers and presentations, tests and quizzes and everything else in between that you're still going to be held responsible for. So you might as well take and take the time to make the investment in yourself and in a tactful way, demand your academic greatness so that you have something to show for. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is if you manage your time, everything else will follow. But if you can't manage your time, all that newfound freedom is just going to be that new and free. But again, nothing to show for it. 
Yes. Well, thank you so much for that excellent advice. And I, I just love it because it can apply to school. It can apply to life. Like you said before, you're the captain of your journey of your life. And thank you so much, Reg, for joining us today. Um, you are a wealth of wisdom. And I'm so excited that folks got to see a little bit of what you're about. And I really um, hope that you guys do pick up the book and inquire about the services that we've talked about here today. Um, I'm going to drop more information about how to get in touch with Reg and everything that he has to offer in the show notes. But Reg, before we go, can you tell us, uh, just in case folks don't navigate to the show notes, how can we get in touch with you? <laughs> okay. So my website is reginaldrider.com, R-E-G-I-N-A-L-D-R-Y-D-E-R.com. That's the website itself. The name of the business is called Thriving Life Coaching. And the uh, name of the book is Passing the Baton, a guide and memoir of college success. It too is on the website and it's uh, actually on Amazon as well. And I have uh, a paper copy as well as a uh, auto, audible book as well. So uh, on Amazon, at least if you go to the website and get it from, from me, I'm happy to sign it to, um, to you or to a uh, loved one or for uh, as a gift, uh, especially for graduation or for you know, someone getting ready for the next step or phases of their life. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, so just look me up. Uh, remember there's a a 15 uh, minute consultation that I offer for, uh, students and, you know, I guess I'm always looking for clients, but, uh, I've got them spread all over the country right now in uh, Michigan, Maryland, Virginia, California, and, uh, actually Mexico as well. So, uh, let's just see how many States I can populate. (laughs) You've lived in a lot of states now. You want a client in every all fifty states. <laughs> every one would be not fifty. And hey, listen, and the uh, provinces of the United States as well. Yes. Let's 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 not stop there. No limits. No um, limits. So thank you again for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful day and that you keep thriving yourself. Okay. I thank you so much. So what'd you think? How will you take what you learned today on the Ed Gap Evolution podcast to make sure that more children and families know that they have more options for building a magnificent future? If you like what you heard and want to get notified when the next episode goes live, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll notify you when the next episode is out. Don't forget to check the show notes where I share information on today's guests and yes, We do have a website. You can always pop in on us at www.eggapevolution.com. Again, I'm Mariah Phillips, and I leave you with this. Embrace the evolution, y'all.